aka Gundam Wingliner, aka Kolioko Ono, and welcome to Outlaw Bars, where we talk about everything great and not so great in the world of anime. And as always, I have with me... Hey guys, it's me, Shopei. No, aka, you should just be glad that I'm here. Hey everyone, it's Tam, your girl, it me, we out here. Alrighty, so, um... A few weeks ago, maybe a month or so back, um, I had the chance to visit Scream Squad's dungeon and talk with the Chico Leo um, about a, a really great movie by Satoshi Kon called Perfect Blue. It was the first time that I had seen it, but I had heard that really great things about it. And I figured it was the perfect thing for us to kind of dissect here on Outlaw Bars. Um, so I handed over my video files to Tam and Shopei and I compelled them to watch it. They may not be my friends anymore after this, We're but not. that's okay. No, I'm fine. Like, I actually really enjoyed it. I mean, it was weird as fuck, but like, I mean, I understand Shopei, but you know, I like the weird shit. So I was cool. <laughs> Alrighty. So if you've never seen Satoshi, Lord, not Satoshi, um, Perfect Blue, it is directed by Satoshi Kon, who also directed um, Paprika and I believe Tokyo Godfathers. And basically, um, if you've ever seen Black Swan, then you kind of know the premise of Perfect Blue. Because let's be honest, um, Black Swan really is kind of a ripoff of Perfect Blue, kind of in the way that The Lion King is a ripoff of, um, what's his name? Kimbo? Yeah, I think it's Kimbo the White Lion or Kimbo the White Lion. So you can clearly see the parallels through it. But you, we start off with a girl who's in one of these Japanese idol, you know, pop groups who decides that she wants to do more with her life. She wants to branch out and do other things. And that's when shit goes left, like, so quickly. So very quickly. Um, there are stalkerisms, deranged managers, really inappropriate things that go on. But it's a really trippy ride. So... I'm going to stop talking because I'm going to let the ladies kind of give their initial thoughts on it. And then we can kind of delve deeper into some of the themes. Um, I'm going to just jump right in because uh, one of the things I notice off the bat, like aside from the main character, Mima's um, issues or not issues, but like her trying to shed this good girl pop star idol thing that was going on in the movie. I definitely noticed there was a lot of male gaze in the movie, um, because usually when I think of pop groups, whether they're predominantly male or female, I feel like um, usually you see the audience of like young people, um, but usually typically girls, because girls are into usually into pop, but usually get like a mixed, a, a mixed bag of like the adolescent crowd. And it was just very interesting to see these grown men um, obsessing over this pop group and it was actually fucking creepy because I was just like why is everybody in the audience a male so that was one thing that jumped um out to me and then um you know the violence towards women in um the movie because there was this um scene where part of her being on the show kind of um her manager convincing the the show director that she's a part of is that, you know, we want her, she wants to shed this pop star image. So she's willing to do like risque things. And part of that was doing this rape scene. And 
I think in 19, because the movie came out in 1997. So in 1997, I think that is a big deal. I don't think that's something that's such a big deal in television today because there's a lot of like, clearly you can like curse on regular TV these days. Like people be saying shit and damn and stuff. But that kind of extreme, like this is going to tarnish your reputation and, you know, having to think about things like that, that was also really interesting. But And also very uncomfortable um to watch but having seen um tokyo godfathers and having seen paprika i kind of see that this is the style of this director that he kind of makes you think about these things that like you don't really want to deal with they're uncomfortable to watch but i imagine in someone's that's someone's reality so like yeah it's uncomfortable to watch but i'm sure there have been actresses um you know, forced to, not for, I don't want to say forced, but having to make certain decisions to help influence their career. Because for her, it's like, I need to do this because I really want to be an actress. And I'm sure there are people who have been in, you know, film who have had to do certain uncomfortable scenes um, because they knew that they had to, this is how, well, this, how they felt they could um, make their career pop off. So, um, those are kind of the couple, I mean, that's no, those aren't the only things that stood out to me, but just a couple of things that I noticed right off the bat. Uh, to piggyback off of what Tam said, it made, it was very, like, it freaked me out, but this is because this kind of like psychological thriller, I don't enjoy, like, I enjoyed the movie, but like, personally, I'm just like fucking weirded out. And something that struck me Tam put it into better words, but the fact that the entire audience is like dudes, and I'm not talking about like 20 something. Some of these dudes look old, like they look like, you know, they look older than the group of 20 some odd girl, 20 some odd year old girls that they're watching. And it felt like a reversal of fan service. We talk about fan service all the time in anime. You have these girls with like the little waist and like the huge boobs that are like the size of their head, and they're like very, you know, explicitly drawn and stuff like that. That was not the case in this movie. Like, all of the girl characters, even though they were in a pop group, were dressed fairly conservatively for, like, an anime sphere. Like, they were dressed age-appropriately, like, 20-year-olds. But yet you still have all these dudes who are weirdly focused on the pop career of these girls and, like, why does she even want to be an actress and da-da-da-da. And I was, a, I was having a hard time trying to separate, is this her character or am I, like, being too harsh? Because she seemed really dumb to me. Um, and there was a point where she finds out essentially that someone created a website about her where they're documenting her every move. And viscerally, I'm like, what a dumb bitch. Like, somebody is, like, watching you, sis. They're putting all of this on their fucking Zanga website. You need to call the police. But then I realize, oh, wait, this movie is in 1997. She does, her character doesn't even know what the internet is. This is like a normal response for that particular time period. And it's just like really chilling that this young girl is essentially seeing her life being replayed to her, but doesn't have any kind of tools or skills to be like, I need to talk to someone about this. This can easily go very badly. And duh, spoiler alert, it goes really fucking badly. So fucking bad. Yeah. And that was the thing, like when we were talking earlier about like the internet thing and I had to put that into perspective too, when you had mentioned it, Shope, like this is the beginnings of the internet and the police probably, you know, now we have, you know, most police departments. Like cyber crime units. Yeah, there's cyber crime units where like if someone had done this in 2017, that would be shut down ASAP. 
well, you know, if as long as it's not on fucking Facebook, because Facebook or Twitter. But usually <laughs> if it's like something, you know, I would imagine that if someone found someone creating a site about their daily moves, um, the police would investigate it and they have the tools and resources now to kind of arrest that person because that's a form of stalking. That is virtual stalking someone because they had intimate details of like what she did for her birthday, what she bought at the supermarket. Um, and that, yeah, that shit was weird and how they knew what specific brand of milk she was buying. Um, also, um, this like her 180 into like being good girl pop star and then like she's taking new nude photo shoots which was like it yeah there it was, was a lot yeah um like when she starts and she decides that she wants to graduate from this group and go off and you know do other things her manager who used to be one of these one of these like teeny bopper you know pop stars is very much against it she's like no i don't think you should do this i want you to stay in the group and you know when she gets to the tv show in the movie where you know she's doing these risque scenes and you know her manager's like her female manager's like you know i don't think you should do this you know what about your image and she's like you know i'm growing up i want to you know do more and you know when you see that like you see like like this like you like she's trying to own her image and the people around her are constantly like not letting her whatever the case may be whether it be um the male the the male um the guy from the label who's trying to push her into these more risque things or whether it be you know her manager who's you know trying to constrict her into these things like no one's letting her kind of own what she's doing you know whether it be good or bad like no one is willing to kind of let her make her own mistakes and you know that's one thing and then when we get later on because one thing that satoshi cohen is known for is kind of mind fuckery (laughs) where you're not quite sure what you're seeing you're not quite sure you know what's reality and what isn't and we got a lot of that in perfect blue because shortly after um the rape scene in the movie that she shot like mima has like a breakdown like she on the surface she seems okay with what's going on and you know the steps that she's taking and the things that she's doing but you can see in every scene after that that she's not quite right like even if you look in her in her you know big anime eyes you can see that like there's like a bit of the light is gone and she's not quite sure that the steps that she's taking are the right ones but she's like you know what i'm already on this path and i'm gonna keep going and we find out later um, I don't want to hear shit about a spoiler because this movie is older than a lot of you who are listening. Um, <laughs> um, you find out at the end that her manager has suffered a psychotic break about the same time that she did. It's um, it's the trigger for the manager seems to have been watching Mima film the rape scene. And then, you know, her manager goes off the rails and starts killing people. Um, anyone who had anything to do with the tarnishing of Mima's image, whether it be the guy from the label, the screenwriter, the photographer, all these people turn up dead. And what's kind of messed up is the manager is like taking care of Mima, you know, like everything's going to be fine, this, that, and the other, but she's planting shit in Mima's apartment. So like Mima opens up her closet and she finds like the guy's bloody clothes. And she's like, how, like she finds bloody clothes. She's like, how in the hell? did these get here? So Mima's questioning her sanity. 
I'm questioning my sanity because I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, I thought I knew what was going on. And it's not till the end that you find out that the manager, like, can't deal and has pretty much assumed the identity of Mima in order to kind of, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, fix her image. Like, shine it up and whatnot. Make it pretty again. Right. There's and a there's actual had, real adult world for that, and I can't think of it right now. I had... um researched like i googled after i watched the movie um you know the wikipedia notes on it and one thing that they had said was that the both of them shared um they had shared psychosis so they both were going through mental breaks and they that seemed to have been triggered by that one rape scene that um had happened doing her during her shoot um which i thought was really interesting that it triggered them both but in very different ways um for Rumi it it for her it was just like okay Mima's um image is tarnished and she's not this pure chaste pop singer that she wanted her to be like you know she had lost that idyllic idyllic image um you know even because even if and you go into acting you can still have this like image you know you choose roles that will still you know keep this image of like purity and like chaste and like that good girl thing and she just went so far left with it and then for um Mima there was a scene where she had come back from her apartment and her fish were dead which I also want to know did Rumi kill her fish or did the fish just die I had a question I don't about think they weren't really dead. It seemed like in the next scene when she like shook out of it, the fish were alive. I thought it was just two of them were alive. I don't know, but that was weird. But that scene where she like finally cracks and is just like, well, of course I didn't want to do the scene, but I didn't want to basically let down everybody who had gone through so much. Cause you know, she realizes that her managers have gone through so much trouble to really get her an extended part in this show or the movie or whatever. And, um, you know, that seemed to have been the trigger. One thing I did appreciate, though, like, was when they were filming that scene in the show was that the guy who was supposed to be raping her had apologized. Like, uh, like, I know this is uncomfortable. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Like, how it was. So I did appreciate that, you know, he had apologized and was, like, not being a dick about it. It was, like, the... The break between the two. First of all, when I first saw Rumi, I didn't trust her. Y'all know, like, I'm from Texas, so, like, Selena was, like, a big deal. As soon as I saw her, I was like, you give me Selena's manager vibes. That's number one. Number two, when they were like, Rumi is an ex-pops, you know, whatever. I'm like, how? She's ugly. Her eyes are too far apart. Okay? <laughs> She'll pay. That was, bro, She'll pay. You, saw, you saw the notes that I wrote, and I was like, this bitch's eyes are too far apart to be a fucking pop star, but whatever. Um... So, like, that was... But Brandy, Brandy. True. I mean, and look what happened to her, guys. Okay. I mean, Um, she's still singing on the Instagrams. I don't know. Okay. Well, that should be even more of a cautionary tale, honestly, about somebody whose eyes are too far apart. But that was the first thing that shook me. It's like, okay, you are too invested in, like, this image. And, like, as you're watching the movie, it starts to, like... There's a part specifically where... Rumi and uh Mima are together and you can tell that Mima is starting to like come apart a little bit and she's talking to Rumi and Rumi's like I was just here yesterday and Mima's like was that real was that not real and I was like bitch were you secretly in her apartment what the fuck is going on like she had to be remember the clothes the bloody clothes ended up in her closet 
Bruh. Like, and also, can we talk about the fact that Rumi uses this one guy? So there's this guy who I think is like on the security team or something. I don't know what his, Me Mania. Me Mania. I don't no, know. No, no, he's he's not even on the security. He's he's like a super fan. He's like one of like those creepy, I'm too old to be into teen pop stars. I probably should find a woman my own age, but I'm socially awkward and still live in my mom's basement. Like, he's one of those. Like, why did, like, but Shopei brought up a good point, like, when we were talking online. Like, why did he look like he had a cognitive delay? At least one. And then at the end, when he spoke and, like, his voice was kind of high, like, kind of. It wasn't effeminate, but it was like a higher pitch male voice. I was like, who is talking? Because I wasn't expecting that voice to come out of him. And I was like, oh, that's what he said. Okay. Mm-mm. No, no. These are all tropes. Like, do you realize, like, when you first see him, there's something about him that's unsettling. And it's like, oh, obviously there is a unattractive, see, ugly, you know, hanger on who looks kind of like Quasimodo. We don't know where he is cognitively. Like, they... They thought of like every terrible trope that they could put on somebody and they put it in this one person. And obviously he's dumb because he was easily manipulated. Rumi poses as Mima and basically has this nigga out here doing crimes and shit. And he's like, he's about to rape the quote unquote fake Mima, which is the real bitch. And he's like, you know, the real one has been emailing me and she told me you're trying to ruin everything. So I'm going to rape you and then stab you. And I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? Also, side note, anime, you're not fucking slick. In the very beginning, the guy who starts the fight is black and he has dreads. I thought we were done with this shit. Oh my god. Okay. Shopei, the movie movie is 20 years old. Come on. I I can understand if it was a more modern show. It's 20 years old. I'm not excusing it. I'm not excusing it, but I'm just saying. It's from 1997. You know, I feel a way when I see people with dreads being portrayed negatively in media. Okay. But also, oh, but also, again, going back to who this director is and having seen more, you know, multiple of his films, it's the same thing like when we were watching Tokyo Godfathers and they kept throwing out the F word. And we were uh, like, ugh. We are like, oh gross. damn. And it, but the thing is, again, it's these human interactions that, you know, not everything is PC. And I feel like sometimes because of like who we are and our education level and just because of what we know and read, we kind of assume that like everybody should be talking and thinking and knowing that certain things are um, negative or like are not politically correct to say. And the fact is like, that's not true and not excusing Japan for like their depiction of black people. But like, I'm sure in 1997, they not it's it's problematic yes but also like their version of like blackness or what blackness look that's what it looks like to them and so we're coming from a a space where it's like this is we don't look like this and we're all not criminals but to them also like remember that like I don't I don't want to put this on like all Asian countries but a lot like China Japan are very xenophobic they really True. not anti-blackness not really, is global how about we just leave it at that anti-blackness is global is yeah and so like you can't you know it's a lot to ask i mean it's not it's it's a lot to like we still have to beg american per, like film companies to portray black people appropriately and so to do it on an international scale and like 
have these, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't be upset or feel away. Like, obviously you should. But I, and also going back, it's 1997. So looking at how black people were portrayed in anime in 1997 and kind of seeing how it's progressed to like more current anime, I will, to my, in my opinion, I think it's improved a lot. You know what I mean? Definitely. I, I don't think it's as bad, but like you also just have to take, it's like going back to her being on the internet. You have to take the time period into consideration. And again, I think this is a director that like, he really don't give a fuck about your feelings. Like shit going to be uncomfortable, bruh. Like that's just, the sh- that's just how he rolls. Like shit is just going to be very uncomfortable because I was uncomfortable seeing them that damn nudie shoot. That shit maybe oh. that shit was like I was like Oh the the with the photographer? Yes, and then how he was sweating, taking them pictures. I was like, this look real mm This I don't like yeah, this. I, you know, I think You're too part into of, it, bro. Yeah, I think part of what really kinda got to me with Perfect Blue is like the hyper realistic drawing style, like the character designs. Like I'm not i I know I'm not watching Sailor Moon, like it's it's not Maggie. Like these are like realistic looking people. Like they're not exaggerated. So it's it's even harder to kind of separate what you're seeing from, you know, reality because it looks so much like reality. And I'm like, okay, like I could be watching like a live action movie. And if you've watched Black Swan, this is, it is what you've watched. Um, and and I think that's part of it part of it too where like you're looking at Mima and you're looking at the photographer and you're looking at like these like physically flawed people like these people for the most part aside from like the idols and the actresses like these are some hard looking people yeah they're just hard looking like like you're at they look really average (laughs) yeah they look very average and also what I do what I did appreciate was um his attention to capturing um human emotion on the faces of the characters I thought that yeah I thought that was really well done even like in those uncomfortable moments just like seeing the um the emotion on um people's faces like like you said how you could see like the light in Mima's eyes kind of like die out um I thought that was um really well done and that's something that I, I saw also in um Tokyo Godfathers as well so do we have any other gems to share about Perfect Blue before we recommend to the people that they take the time to watch? Because it is a mind fuck, but it is a really good movie. Um, I had a question. So Go for it. my question was, okay, so I know the part where the guy, uh, Me Mania, was about to, um, you know, assault her and kill her. And then she hit him with the, in the head with the hammer. Did she kill him and then Rumi moved the body? Rumi killed him. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, Rumi because he didn't he didn't fulfill what he was supposed to do. Oh, so she just knocked him out, and then Rumi and so she just knocked him out with the hammer, and then Rumi finished him off. Yeah. Okay, got it. That's what I assumed. Yeah. Okay, got it. Thank you. That's all I had. Yeah, I didn't have any questions. Like it, it was a good movie. Like it, like I appreciate you guys for essentially forcing me to watch it that you know I would not pick on my own. Um, because this is the way I felt watching this is exactly the way I felt watching Black Swan. I was just like, wow, so this is what it looks like to watch someone have a psychotic break while also maybe thinking you are also having a psychotic break because of the way this shit is like filmed, the way it's shot. Yo, when she Uh, kept waking up, when she kept like doing stuff and then waking up the same in the same clothes in her bed, I was very confused. (laughs) 
I was like, yo, what? I don't know what's real anymore. Mima, me and you going through it together, sis. I don't know what's real. What is yeah, the I'm truth? Spraying my, I'm spraying myself yeah. with Florida water. Like, is something going on? Like, I need, like, what is happening? But it was good. It was a good film. I like I like nuanced characters. And also, it, it was very relatable. Like, the way the girls talked about how, like, um, how it was animated. I liked seeing realistic portrayals of, like, human bodies. But also, like, she's young. She's 21. She was in a pop group for, a, you know, for some time. She's trying to strike out her, on her own. Thank God nobody has any record of what my life was when I was 21 years old. Okay? Like, it's easy for us as the viewer to be like, oh, she should be making better choices or whatever. But she's doing, like, a normal thing. She's trying to find her way. She's stumbling through. She is relying on people who she thinks has more knowledge or expertise than her while also trying to like make her own name or whatever like sis i get it and i'm so glad you didn't die you almost did though but you know shout out to you Alrighty, so i think this is where we will wrap it up um if you want to watch perfect blue um you can grab it um on amazon where you can grab everything else um unfortunately it's not on hulu or netflix or crunchyroll or any of those nifty sites but if you know how to use your Googles, I'm sure you'll be able to find it. Um, if you do decide to watch Perfect Blue, we would love to hear your thoughts on it. Um, you can email us or tweet at us because um, it really is a lot to digest and you may have to watch it more than once just to catch everything. But it, it really is a, a good movie. So now we will move on to Notice Me Senpai, where we answer the questions that you, the listeners, have sent in. Um, we want to thank you guys, you know, in advance for all the questions that you send. And we really do read all of them and get, um, and we're going to try our very best to answer all of them on the air. All right. So this one is from Chopay's boy, the one who likes to troll us. It's your boy Chisholm, aka Chisnook, aka the Green Glokage, aka the Nigero Nigero Hiro Yui. I was listening to Setups and Sabotage, and the setup and the segment about workout tips got me so hyped that I quit my job to become a personal trainer. Okay, not really, but I did go run in the park as soon as I got off work. You a lie. Thank you for the unex. <laughs> Thank so you for the annoying. unexpected motivation, <laughs> which leads to my question. If you could have any anime character be your personal motivator, who would it be and what scene made them your choice? As much as I would like to pick Naruto because he's always speaking the real, I'm not going to give Shopei the satisfaction of taking more shots at him. She'll probably do it anyway. So I'm going with Shikamaru. <laughs> so I'm going with Shikamaru. As a dark horse candidate for the best supporting character in the series, he also had one of the best speeches when he declared his intention to act as Naruto's advisor when he became Hokage. Honorable mention goes to Captain Levi for the speech he gave to Aaron, he gave to Aaron while being pursued by the female Titan. As always, I appreciate you all. I was stuck with this one um, because yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, then I'll then I it's okay. I'll jump in because I have the response. Um, first of all, why are you like this? That's the first question. Um, second of all. For a motivator, I chose for two separate things. You talked about fitness, and I went with Blue Lot from Akame Ga Kill, the one with, like, the really cute Johnny Bravo hair, because he's, like, ripped. And I liked the way he trained Tatsumi. Like, he just, like, he seemed like the kind of person who wouldn't be mean to me because I can't do a lot of push-ups, but would encourage me until I could get better at push-ups. Um, 
And plus, he's like hella ripped, so you know he like knows what he's doing. So Bulat from A Comic Got Kill, or for just a general life motivator, this is going to be very obscure. If you actually watch my recommendations, you should have seen The Chain Chronicles. And one of the characters, her name is Queen Juliana. She has pink hair and her dress is like made out of fucking chain mail or whatever. And in her character development, she becomes more sure about herself. And at one point, she's like fighting someone who was essentially like her bannerman or her swordman earlier in the series, but he gave himself over to the dark side. And she's like, you cannot punish other people for your inabilities or some shit like that. And I was just like, yes, sis, you can't punish other people. You have to take responsibility. And it was a personal growth moment for herself because she was blaming herself for the fact that this guy went to the dark side. But in that moment, she was like, I'm not going to carry this around anymore. This is not my burden. You made this decision. And as your queen, I have to kill you because that is my responsibility. Um, So as a general personal motivator, I like Juliana because she's good with the sword and she has pink hair. But as like for workout shit, Bulat, because he clearly knows what he's doing. All right. Um, Actually, I I do have um, a motivator. This is um, someone from a newer anime. Um, The anime is um, Nanbaka. And the character is the warden. So if you've ever seen the warden, um, the warden is actually, I don't know whether the warden is a man or a woman. Um, She, the warden displays, um, like feminine what would be considered feminine traits like she has a crush on one of the guards like one of the supervisors like she's really into her k-beauty um but it's an all-male prison everybody else is a man and i can't tell by the pronouns that they use i looked at the wiki the wiki says she so i'm going to go with she yeah okay i'm gonna go with she because i'm seeing repeated references to the warden being a woman but like she's a total badass like but at the same time like her skincare is ridiculous like there was a scene in um the towards the end of the first season where she's trying to escape from um uh, she's trapped in a cell so what she promises her captor is a serum made of 100 percent hyaluronic acid serum and her captor's like, 100%? That's unheard of. She's like, how do you think my skin is so supple? She's like, don't you need some sunscreen? I have some of that too. <laughs> yes, sunscreen. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, she was like, listen, she was talking about her SPFs and everything. I'm like, but it was a lure to get, you know, her captor to come in and then like she eventually escapes. But at the same time, like she runs like this kind of like last resort type prison where people, where they've escaped before they get sent there kind of as the last resort and she kind of rules with an iron fist like nobody fucks with her and she gets shit done and when she talks to you like you move and that i think is what everybody kind of needs in their life every once in a while somebody that when you hear their voice you know to move so um the warden from nonbaka is going to be my personal motivator for 2017 that and she's going to get my skincare regimen like tight as fuck i found mine after Yay. much thinking. Yay! My personal uh, motivator is probably going to be Genos 
from One Punch Man, even though he... T- oh, so cute! Yeah, because, like, I, he really... I feel like he would really want me to, like, succeed and, like, be the best me that I can be. And, I mean, I would be able to shut him up because he talked too much. He's such a chatty patty. But I really feel like he would get me together. Um, you know, he, he really is committed to... I mean, he's... Isn't he a cyborg? But... He committed yes. to, like, fitness and shit like that. And I feel like Genos will get me together, so I'm going to go with Genos. So then I do have an answer. Ha! Huh? Alrighty. <laughs> okay, so thank you, Chisholm, for this question. It wasn't as trollish as we were expecting. I think you're kind of off your game, but we're going to let that go. So our next question comes from Donzel via email, and it says, Hello, ladies. Another, I have a question for you all. With two of the big three finished, do you think there will be another long-running anime to replace them? For those who do not know, the big three are Bleach, Naruto, and One Piece. As we all know, the Bleach and the Naruto animes have finished, and One One Piece is still ongoing. Um, I think we are going to end up seeing um, Boruto kind of slide into the spot that Naruto was taken. Um, and I think with um, with where they are um, manga-wise, I think that Attack on Titan really does have the potential to become one of those longer-running anime. Because um, I think the manga's up to like... That was, like, was going to be my pick. Yeah, they're up to like 95 or 96 chapters in the manga right now. So if the mangaka continues to produce at this rate, um, I think that it could be considering where they left off in the anime and, you know, season three, you know, where we're going to be starting off in season three, it could be. Um, I also see, um, what was it? Well, no, Black Butler isn't really, Black Butler's pretty much over, um, so that one doesn't count. What about One Punch Man? Because that's still ongoing too, right? Which which one? One Punch Man. Yeah, the the manga's still ongoing, even though they've only we're we're waiting on season two. Mm-hmm. So I I haven't read the manga, so I don't know how much source material we currently have. Because in order to become a big three, you one of the big three, you have to have a massive amount of source material. Um, oh crap! Isn't oh crap? It came and it left. Okay, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna have to stick with the original two that I had. Um, and if the other one comes to me, I'll I'll tweet it out as far as um, long-running anime to replace the, the big three. All right. Yeah, so, uh, wait, just to ahead. add, the note about who needs to know what the big three was, it's me. Because I didn't fucking know what y'all were talking about when I read the question. I like to be, you know, I like to be, you know, open with, you know, our family members here. And I needed y'all to know I didn't know what was, I didn't understand. Um and also, Loki, the idea of Attack on Titan going on for too long gives me, like, panic attacks. Because, really, how much of this could the regular human take, truly, if they decide to animate all of this kind of shit? <laughs> and, and, I'm, like, and, I'm, and I'm really, like, this is a sincere question that I'm asking, not even to troll. Like, we're only on season two, and each time I just feel like my heart is being destroyed like every single time there's so I... much untold shit i am 
Yeah, I'm in it for the long haul. So as long as they keep <laughs> making this anime, I'm in it to win it, as one of my sisters would say. Um, yes, <laughs> like my little my little sister, my youngest sister is always like, I'm in it to win. I am in it to win it. I'm in this. We are riding or dying with um, Attack on Titan because they got me locked in because there's too much spiciness and backstory and conspiracies that I need the answers to. And am Fine. I going to read the manga? Fine. Fine. No. So make it into an anime Fine. for your girl. Thank you. Alrighty. So our next question comes from Red Baron 390 on Twitter. And his question is, who used Black Flames better? Hiei from Yu Yu Hakusho or Sasuke from Naruto? Okay. I've watched both of them. I've read both manga i am going to say without a doubt that goes to hie there's something else to say that goes to hie if you've seen you have to show you know why that goes to hie Th- that's just what it is thank you for your question and we're going to move on now to a question <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah diva got it because i don't want I, I don't watch either of those so i didn't i didn't have an answer All right, so our last question for this episode comes from phoenix via email it says hey girls i have a question for you that's been stewing you guys may have just uh, may have addressed it before but i want to know what's the most problematic thing you've seen in anime like crotch like crotch shots of 11 year olds and no game no life and children and pets being turned into it's not a monkey lie sweetie it's a chimera but i'll let that go in full metal alchemist um love you guys um the most problematic thing that I have seen in anime. Um, wow, that's a big question. And I don't know if I have an answer right now. Because I'm still I'm still stuck on Nina. I'm still stuck on Nina. Like, you mentioned Nina. So now this is where it's I'm stuck. It's multiple things. Um, my thing, most problematic things that... It's a couple of things that I've seen. It's obviously the depiction of, like, people of color in anime. Um, but like I said, I feel like that's kind of improving because I've seen where we look very, um, we look monkeyish. Um, they have us out here looking like monkeys or we're committing crimes or we have dreadlocks because every black person is a Rastafarian or has locks. Um, also the fan service, I think the fan service in um, Seven Deadly Sins is a bit much. And I love Seven Deadly Sins, but Meliodas be doing too fucking much. And like, dog, you don't got, you don't, we get it. You, you, she got a hot bod. She got the titties. She got the ass. But you don't have to feel like, you don't have to be a creep and feel up on her every five seconds. That is like my biggest issue with uh, Seven Deadly Sins. And I love Seven Deadly Sins. Um, so that's pretty problematic for me. Um, and sometimes it's just, just general. It's not, it's not one anime specific, but sometimes I feel like, um, the violence towards women in anime is a bit excessive. Um, it, we saw it like when we had just discussed with, um, Perfect Blue. Also when we were watching, um, what did we just finish watching with my boo? Yes. Thank you. In Helsing, there was a lot of, um, a lot of derogatory and violence, like attempted rape and assault towards women in that. So just like the overall violence towards women in this like hyper-masculine, aggressive, like in order to teach a woman a lesson, it's or in order to like fully defile her before you kill her, you have to rape her. And you can't just kill, like usually like if it's a dude, they're just gonna kill the dude, but no, 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 no. If you're a woman, no, I'm going to rape you and then I'm going to kill you. So I just feel like that, 
can be a bit much because sometimes I'm like, is that really, you can't just let her throat and be done with it. Like you got to do all of this. Um, but to me, that's kind of the things that I find like problematic in anime. And the thing in anime is it's strange because like, it's a lot of like high school students, like young adults. So it's not often that you have like some sort of age disparity. So it's not going to be like a bunch of 13 year old girls and like maybe 21 year old guys. So the kind of sexual gays you're getting are from people your own age and it's like normal like teens and you know shit they're sexual so like that is kind of like normative and also little boys don't have any kind of filter like if you've ever worked with them or even spoken to them they're just like a weird ball of hormones they're all over the place so that kind of makes a little bit of sense but the disregard for personal boundaries how like you know dudes will touch you know, their female counterparts or whatever or just be all over them is very weird. Um, the hypersexualization, because <clears throat> you have these girls who are 14 or 15 with clearly fully developed bodies, but their male counterparts aren't the same. Like their 15-year-old male counterparts look like 15-year-olds. Um, and then just like this weird violence. They're like, exactly what Tam discussed is exactly how I felt. Like when, especially when you move, like that's how you know that you're in a quote-unquote adult or darker anime. Because when there is some sort of violence against a woman, it's sexual violence because the understanding is that's the worst thing that can happen to a woman. That if you really want to ruin her or you really want to disrespect her ultimately, that you commit some sort of active sexual violence against her. Kind of like in the psychopaths, <clears throat> in that episode of Psychopaths where that girl, and the context is like she almost is ruined so much because her psychopath score is fucked up as a result of this kind of trauma. Um... And is that because most of the animators are men? Is that because most of the people who write anime are men? I don't know. But, like, you have a lot of women who watch anime. It would be nice for them to be considered um, and how they would feel having to see this kind of stuff on screen over and over. Not to mention people who are, like, survivors of sexual violence because it never has a trigger warning on it, ever. They just, one scene, you're talking to, like, the Fuhrer in Helsing, and the next scene, some you know, vampire dude is like, I'm a fucking rape you. Like, it's it's a lot. Yeah, I think the, the one thing, I'm not going to rehash what you guys said, but the one thing that really gets me is like non-con, like non-consensual um, sexual contact as a plot device. And like my, my gateway anime, Sailor Moon, is like overrun with it. Like in the Black Moon arc, like it's an entire thing where like the villain pretty much uses his mind control power to subdue Sailor Moon. And the unspoken and the unspoken, like the unspoken act is like, you know, that he's doing this to make her more compliant, to make to make her easier to conquer. And I'm like, and that always gets me. I was like, there has to be a better way. Like there has to be a a better way to spur a male character on rather than to sexually threaten a woman. Um, But Tam said it best, so I'm not going to rehash it. So thank you, Phoenix, um, for your question. And if any of you guys have questions for us, you know, you can email them um, to outlawbars at fanbros.com or you can hit us up on Twitter at outlawbarspod using the hashtag noticemesenpai. All righty. And now it's time for anime news. So um, this weekend, the beginning of July, um, Anime Expo is taking place in Los Angeles, and there is some nifty news coming out of there. Um, I will start with the most important piece of news to me. 
And that is Attack on Titan actually has a season release date. So I don't. Oh, bitch. Yes. So when Attack on Titan ended Sorry. a couple weeks ago, um, we were immediately hit with the announcement that it was coming back in 2018. And according to Funimation, um, who had a panel at Anime Expo, the series is penciled in for next spring, which means April. Which means it's the month of the diva, which okay. means I was right yet again. Because I told y'all it was probably going to come back next spring. I told y'all this, and I was right. But Just I can see, I there. can live with April. I can live with April. That's not bad. That's actually really, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that far away. So I I'll believe it when April of 2018 comes around. Listen, I'm like remember, like last time they didn't quite know what they had. <laughs> This time, there are way too many eyeballs on it. I don't think they're going to fuck it up. They're not going to George R.R. Martin this. They're not going to do it. All righty. So if you are a fan of the fairy tale franchise, um, Funimation has announced that the, thre- the theatrical release of the fairy tale Dragon Cry film is slated for this summer. So, you know, hit up Funimation.com, find out about that. And also in um, anime n- movie news, Eleven Arts announced that it will host screenings for A Silent Voice. And we've talked about that film on um, on Outlaw Bars previously. And Magical Girl Lyrical Nanoha Reflection will um, have screenings in October. So if you're fans of any of those, you can check those out. Um, and my last bit of... Um, News from Anime Expo um, is actually video game related. Um, Bandai Namco revealed that they're going to be releasing a Seven Deadly Sins, Knights of Britannia, PlayStation 4 game in early 2018. Um, It's going to be a fighting style game. It's going to have subs in English, French, Italian, Spanish, and German. And you'll be able to play through fights with Meliodas, Elizabeth, Hawk, and all of the others, presumably. Um, so if you have a PS4 and you're a fan of the Seven Deadly Sins franchise, then keep an eye out um, early 2018. So um, we also have a little bit of Toonami news because we know a lot of you guys watch Toonami. Um, as you know, Iron Blooded Orf- um, Gundam Iron Blooded Orphans is returning in the fall. But as far as the summer, Dragon Ball Z Kai the Boo Saga starts on July 8th at midnight. And then JoJo's Bizarre Adventure um, Stardust Crusaders will begin um, on July 29th. So that's good tsunami news for you guys. And I have a bit of sad news. If you are a fan looking forward to the sequel to Urawa no Usagi-chan, that series has been stalled um, due to various reasons. So it was supposed to come out this summer for the summer season, which starts in july but it's not going to happen um and that is all um we have this episode in the way of anime news hey friends what's up so i have a twofer for you guys mostly because i started watching the first one and i was just like wow i actually don't play with demons so i cut it off um and then i went on to something that was a little bit more my speed First of all, whoever suggested the Magical Girl Raising Project, which is the anime in question, to me, thank you so much. You really came through. I was like, I want to see Magical Girls Killing. I didn't think about whether I would actually want to see Magical Girls Killing. So... (laughs) But why didn't they recommend it to me? Don't I tell people to send all the the creepy shit to me? They put it on the the outlaw bars. Like, they tweeted it at us. 
Oh, and I didn't to be see fair, that. It was in response to me specifically saying, you know what I would love to see? Uh, Magical girls murdering. Now, again, I just be saying shit because I didn't think about how I would actually feel. You, yeah, you, girl, you didn't you didn't you didn't think that through. And this is why I talk about you gotta be real specific when you asking for shit because you just let out a general Hey, magical girls with the yoppers, and they gave you magical <laughs> girls with the yoppers, but they didn't, they didn't, they didn't put the cla- like you didn't put the clause in of like I don't want to see what this has because this too this much, is- and 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 also you saw you we have watched Madoka Magica, so listen, I understand. So <laughs> this, is, this is also a lesson in being very specific with your prayers, because that's exactly what I fucking did. I just put it out in the universe. I was like, I'd love to see some murderous anime girls. And that's what I got. And on episode two, I was like, cancel, cancel, delete. That shit is over. Um, So, (laughs) like, the premise of the show is actually very good. You have, like, this cutesy girl who loves playing magical girl, like, RPG games. And there's a rumor going on that, you know, there's an opportunity to become a magical girl. So you have this little, like, I don't know what you would call it. It looks like a... Like a like a nano pet kind of thing. It's a little. It's a little. It's like the shit from fucking uh, Madoka Magical. It's a little cutesy right. alien shit. That's so. What the it's fuck basically that is. like Cube, but except like Cube looks like a little cat toy kind of thing. This looks like a little floating computer game amalgamation, right? So this girl is able to become a magical girl. She's so happy. She's the character Snow White. It's very cute because in an earlier episode, in the first episode, you find out that one of her best friends when she was younger, a a little boy, they both love magical girl shit. And he is able to become a magical girl. He's one of the few male magical girls. He's a girl in his magical girl form. Very adorable. I'm like watching the first episode. I was like, oh my God, I love this shit. This is so cute. Um, And then... At the end of episode one, they're just like, congratulations, they're 15 anime, uh, magical girls, but unfortunately, the the power grid of the planet can't sustain the 15, so now we have to go down to eight. <clears throat> so as a note, magical girls get coins for doing good deeds. Save people from candies. Candies. You save girls, you save someone from a burning building, you help someone find their keys, whatever, you get all this shit. So the newest girl is like gung-ho. She's whooping everybody's ass. She's getting all the candies first place, you know, the whole time. So you find out that whoever has the least candies loses. It sounds very benign. Like, oh no, you lose your magical girl powers. Well, the one girl who lost, she goes to sleep. She's stripped of her anime, of her magical girl powers. The little thing, the little cutesy character is like, okay, goodbye now. Which, like, sounds, like, super, super adorable, but, bitch, her mom wakes, tries to wake her up the next morning and she's fucking dead. Like, at that point, at that moment, I was like, so, not only did no one explain the fine print to these dummies, that's number one, number two, clearly the rules are going to start getting fucked up. Because if you're going from 15 to 8, nigga, it's going to be a murder fest. It's going to be a kill fest. So... I went ahead and I handed it off to my boot tam. I was like, you would love this shit. You should really watch it. Yo. And 
she's right. Let me tell you, I am like six episodes deep and I'm just like, young, this shit is so fucked up. Sign me up because like there are like conspiracies to overthrow certain magical girls and you're like, well, we about to steal candy so we could kill bitches. Like the shit is fucking, shit is fucking fire flames, yo. I love it. Um, it sucks that the little girls, yo, it sucks because some of these little girls, you're like, damn, you're like 12 and you're getting deleted not only from the game, but from life. But also this is, this is a pattern that I'm seeing in magical girl anime. Stop trusting these little magical demon cute things. Okay. They are, because here's the thing, again, going back to asking questions, had they asked the questions in the beginning, what happens if I just like don't want to be a magical girl anymore. The thing would tell you, oh, you die. Like it wouldn't you tell die. you though. It I feel like it would lie. Yes. No, no, no. Because one thing there was a see, this is what happened. You stopped watching. Let me let me break it down. So there's <laughs> there's a part where um one of the one of the magical girls asks um Fav, I think that's its name, asks Fav's like, hey, so like if we lose our powers, because all it says is like you're gonna lose your powers. It doesn't like we the viewer know that they die because we see the girl die, but everybody else just thinks she's gone back to her normal life. And it tells her, it's like, well, because like your your the source of your powers is magic, like ultimately, like when you lose your magic, like you cease to exist to become like a, you cease to exist as a human being. So it tells you it's very factual. It's not like a secret. It will tell you that like, oh, yeah, no, you just die like you you can die sis so again we gotta be better about asking questions and reading the fine print and that's why they go with these little ass girls because little ass girls is not gonna ask you these questions about like so how is this gonna affect me in the long term what's the end game here because i'm assuming you really can't be a magical girl para siempre okay so you gotta ask questions guys because that's how you end up dying per anime but yes, I, I I know Showplay stopped watching after two episodes, but like I said, I'm six episodes in and I recommend it if you like to see magical girls killing each other, I like, guess. It is, I can tell that it, it is a good anime. Like, I enjoyed Madoka Magica too. Like, <clears throat> it, like the, the genre is a good genre, but it was really... it. It's like nuance in the sense of it's like, of course, it's too good to be true. Oh my God, you are so fucking dumb. Nobody thinks to ask like the most basic question. And the interesting thing is these magical girls, no one knows their true identity. They meet in essentially a virtual like online chat room. So everyone goes by whatever their name is. So the newest girl, she becomes Snow White. So everyone calls her Snow White. No one knows what her real life is. And I can only imagine that if you can find out someone's real identity, you could fuck their shit up real bad. Um, which I assume goes on because I read the Wikipedia or whatnot, but it is quite good. It's on Crunchyroll, I believe. Uh, so if you want to watch it, you can watch it there. The actual anime that I am fucking watching currently is called, um, Chaika the Coffin Princess. It's on Hulu and it's on Crunchyroll. I feel like it's going to be expiring soon on Hulu. So get in where you fit in, but definitely you can watch it on Crunchyroll. It's it starts with a young girl, white hair, white dress, who is lugging around a giant coffin. So of course you're like, oh no, baby, what is you doing? Like, the fuck are you? Like, why are you just out here in the woods? Apparently she, the way she speaks, she speaks in like a broken kind of English. So that's like her entire character thing. And she meets this guy in the woods who you find out is a saboteur. 
this show is dope because saboteurs are essentially mercenaries with magical powers. And this guy is going through it because right now there's a time of peace, so he can't do any fighting. He feels a way about it. Um, and they run into each other, and then, y'all, a fucking unicorn shows up. Delete from your mind the idea that unicorns are nice. This unicorn came to fuck everybody's shit up. Like, it's like a... Okay. <laughs> No, it's like a ghost unicorn like it, it, it eats people like i was just like zam this is a plot twist like a motherfucker and we're just at the beginning um so they somehow are able to escape the unicorn and you find out that the little girl is a magician i like this kind of magic she uses almost like a giant gun that she keeps inside her coffin and like the magic has to be charged up it's like it's almost like a cross between like a mecha kind of situation and like Magi, the way the magic is performed when you see it. And you find out that this young girl is the is the princess of the emperor who was killed. And apparently this emperor was too powerful. So everyone killed him. They cut his body up into little pieces and they scattered it. Um, they divided it up amongst the people who destroyed him. And his body is so powerful that it's used as like a source of magical fuel. So she's trying to get her dad's body back together. So the saboteur, he doesn't have shit else to do. So he's like, I don't have a job. You trying to pay me. Um, this peacetime is bullshit because I don't get to use my saboteur powers. So you trying to get some shit popping? I'm with the shits. Let's do it. Um, and he has like a sister who's also a saboteur who's tired of the fact that he's like a fucking waste man who doesn't make any money. Like in the very first episode, she's like whooping his ass in a tavern because she says she's tired of him not making any money. And he's like, no, no, no. I brought someone who's like here to help us. Like we're going to help her complete this task and get money and shit very fascinating just like the 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 unicorn that's like terrible and scary and then like the execution of magic is very good um the fight scenes are quite good and i just like the fact that <clears throat> like there's only so many ways that you can interpret magic right but i love seeing that interpretation differently each time like sis you use a like you use like a rifle to do magic and it has to be charged up it's not inherent like it is in other series um but in that one i'm only on episode like four or so so of course there are people who are after her because there seems to be this under this belief that if she is able to reassemble her father that she's going to bring about a civil war and all these people are trying to kill her and in anime you know that anybody who's trying to kill a child is probably lying you know like so this idea that what she's trying to do will like elicit this bad thing i almost feel like it's a conspiracy and that they're trying to like lie on her like maybe if she puts her dad back together all of you guys will be out of power and that's what you're really mad about but who knows stay tuned chica uh the coffin princess so i'll probably be live tweeting it now that i've told you guys about it i can live tweet and not feel bad yeah we'll we'll work it out speaking of live tweeting we want to um thank you guys who were able to join us um, to watch Voices of a Distant Star. It was a short but sweet one. You know, just a bit of a palate cleanser after um, Helsing. Um, but we do have a bit of a surprise for you. Um, as you guys all may know, um, Netflix is um, launching the Castlevania anime series. And it will go live on July 7th. So what we are going to do, because we love you so much, is we are going to live tweet um, Castlevania on Saturday, July 8th at 7 p.m. Eastern 
4 p.m. Pacific. It is a special edition of Outlaw Views just for Castlevania. It's only four episodes, and each episode is about 30 minutes long. So that's just enough for us to watch before Netflix decides to be a hoe and ask us, are we still watching? (laughs) (laughs) Netflix is so hateful and nosy. Um, So we really hope that you guys will join us for that. Um, We're really excited to see... um, at least I, I know I am because I used to play Castlevania back in the day. Shoot, I still have a Castlevania game in my house right now. And if you have any suggestions for Outlaw Views, we really do keep a running list and we do look at them and, and it helps us to kind of figure out what we're going to watch. Um, you can tweet them at us using the hashtag Outlaw Views or you can email them to us at outlawbars at fanbros.com. Um, and if you have any questions for me, if you want to chat about the Attack on Titan manga, you know, because I be reading and I know all of the things. Um, you can find me. I mean, I just read the spoiler site, so it's fine. It's, it's not like it, that's it, not it, it, It's not so. the same without the visuals, man. It's not the same without the visuals. Was it? Well, I don't have you time can, for them spammy ass manga sites, but God bless. You know what? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Deadly Diva and ladies, let the people know where they can find you. Hey guys, you can find me on Twitter at Simply Chopin. You know how to spell it. You know where to find me. Hey all, you can find me on Twitter at Bruja Bantan. Alrighty, and that is the end of today's episode. <laughs> have a great night. Bye. Bye.